We are today finishing our series. We've been doing this series, What If Jesus Was a Quebecer? And uh, it's, this is the seventh week. And today is the end of it. It's the, it's the end of the whole thing. And we've been talking about how does our faith connect with the culture that we're in. And I just want to pause and say, you know, at this moment, I want you to understand that the, the point of this series has been for you to think. For, for me to think. For all of us to actually think about our faith. Our faith is not one that we just accept and just, and just float off and never, never use our brains, never use our minds. It's something that, that actually requires thought and, and maturity and all of that to deal with it. And so, so when a nine-year-old boy comes to me on a Sunday morning and he's asking questions about his faith and he's thinking about it and he's thoughtfully listening to the response, I mean, I'm just so excited about it because that means he's growing in his faith. And so this series, we've been saying, we got to think And I love it because different ones of you have come to me with different responses going, oh, this has helped me to understand myself a little bit better. And others of you have come to me and gone, oh, I understand my neighbors a little bit better now. Or I get what that's, or Pastor Patty, I lived that, what you're talking about. And I've even had one or two of you come to me and say, I'm not sure I agree with everything you said. And here's why. And you've talked to me about this is your experience of living in Quebec or of interacting with Quebecers. And it's a little bit different than what I've been saying. And I said, well, good. I'm so glad you're thinking. I'm okay with people thoughtfully disagreeing on some of the smaller things, you know, because, because the point is to think. The point is not to walk out and go, well, Pastor Patty said it, so... I guess that's that. I want you to actually think about your faith and to put effort into into considering it and working it all out. And and so the point is that we learn to, to listen and we learn to watch and we learn to understand our culture, whatever culture that is. So whether you move in a, in a culture that's reflected by an age group or a culture that's reflected by a workspace or an academic space or a culture that's reflected by a specific ethnicity or whatever is the circle of influence that you move in, y- y- the point is for you to learn, to, for each of us to learn, to look at that and find the commonalities, find the differences and figure out where our faith connects and where it doesn't. So, so I just want to say... The point is not, is not to be right about Quebec, okay? Let me just tell you, when Jeff and I first got married, you know, we, 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 um, we were in like our first or second year of marriage, and I'm always nervous. I really want to get everything right. And so I thought, well, I better read the books that tell me how to do marriage right. And so I remember reading this book, and it said, now, I don't know if any of you have noticed, but if you've gotten to know us at all, uh, you may have noticed that Jeff and I don't always fit the patterns of other married couples. Has anybody noticed that? And some of you are going, oh, good, they know, right? We know we're weird, okay? And so I'm reading this book, and it, it was saying, well, this is, how, this is how men are, and this is how women are, and if you don't behave in this way or you don't do this certain thing, well, psh, like, you're in serious trouble. And I wasn't doing that. And I went to Jeff, and I said, honey, I said, uh, you know, I think we might be in trouble. And he said, we are? <laughs> I said, yeah, because the book said and he goes, I don't, I don't think we're in trouble. I, I'm happy. And I said, no, you're not. Because I've read this book and it says that, that you need this from me and I haven't been doing that. And so clearly you are not happy. We are in big trouble. And he said, no, I, I'm sure that I'm happy. I think I would know if I wasn't happy. I'm good. We're good. And so what I did was I threw out the book and we're still here 25 years later. Okay. And the reason I'm telling you that is, I don't want you-
want you to take this book that I've been telling you about, Cracking the Quebec Code, and go, well, that's it. That's how it is. The point is not to be right and win an argument about Quebec. The purpose of the whole thing is to help people meet Jesus. That's the point of the whole thing. And sometimes that purpose gets helped along as we, as we understand and look at our culture and start to understand the people around us. And sometimes it helps us understand who we are too as we walk that out. So I just want, I want you to be clear on how that all works. So today we're going to look at the last key of the Quebec code of, of what if Jesus was a Quebecer. The last one for Quebec is that Quebecers are very proud of their identity. They're Quebecers and proud of it, okay? Proud in a good way, not in a, I don't mean in a haughty way, but just like celebratory, woohoo, we're proud of who we are. There's an entrepreneurial spirit that's part of, of Quebec. People like to be entrepreneurs. And so we started, let me just back up, we started this series by saying that, that when you compare Quebec statistically and through these surveys, when you compare them to the rest of Canada, there are more similarities than there are differences, Okay, so in, in 70, 71% of the characters, characteristics that were examined, Quebec is the same as the rest of Canada. But there's 29% where there's differences. And it's that 29% that we've been looking at and that we've been examining through this series. And so Quebecers are actually very proud of their identity, and they're very happy to be different. They're, they're proud of who they are, and they're happy that they're different from everybody else. And so, so there's a couple quotes in the book that I wanted to just share with you. And one of them says, um, Quebecers remain, I think we'll get them on the screen if we can in just a moment. Uh, we're on page two in the notes. Quebecers remain a very proud people. They're proud to be Quebecers, proud of their culture, proud of their appearance, their children, and their homes, and they're happy with their identity. And then later on, it says, some would say that Quebecers are too proud, while others would say they aren't proud enough. Don't you just love it when someone has an opinion about you, right? So there's no middle ground when it comes to pride, Quebecers feel neither inferior nor superior, and above all, Quebecers are proud of their differences. They like who they are. Quebecers are, are very proud of their accomplishments. They feel good when they, when they have success. And this is especially true if they are under the age of 35. So under, the younger you go in Quebec, the more likely you are to run across somebody who's very proud of their accomplishments and of their success. And they, they have a strong drive to, to succeed and to do well. They're, they're less stressed about money or less afraid that they're going to lose their job. They're less worried about accumulating debt. And the younger you go with Quebecers, the more you're going to find a shift that says younger Quebecers no longer view making money as a sin which is a change. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we talked about um, the, the religious domination that had been part of the past and, and how the, the whole fear of failure and victim mentality and all of that, that is starting to fade away and it's starting to be replaced by this ambition and this excitement for the future. And, and so it's a very radical shift. And it's the younger generation that's bringing that in. So 40% of, of young people under 35, so... If you're over 35, I'm just going to burst your bubble at this moment and go, you're not young anymore. It happens to all of us, okay? So, sorry. 40% of young people under 35 believe that money makes you happy, whereas only 30% of older people believe that. Now, we all, I think, would agree 
Money doesn't buy happiness. We all know that. We know that that's true. But there is um, a bit of a correlation. Where one exists, the other seems to exist. And so, so wealthier people tend to be happier at work. They tend, to be, um, they tend to feel safer. They tend to consider themselves healthier. They tend to uh, feel more secure and have less insomnia and less stress and less depression. And so it becomes uh, a chicken versus the egg kind of question. I don't know which came first. But it seems that, and especially for Quebecers, those who have success are also those who are very proud of who they are and proud to be Quebecers. I don't know which causes the other. They just both tend to exist alongside. So Quebecers, are, they're ambitious, and they're strong, and they're determined, and they're optimistic, and they're entrepreneurial, especially the younger generation. Okay, Quebec has become a world champion in entrepreneurship. So if you look at the G7 countries, which are Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the US, you look at the G7 countries, entrepreneurship has the highest value in Quebec compared to any of those seven countries. Okay, very high level of 79% of Quebec residents think that entrepreneurship is a good career choice. 79%. Now, that's only 51% in the rest of Canada, so that's a, that's a big change. And it's growing. That is growing since 2013. Now, we talked about that characteristic of non-committal, more talk than action. There's still a gap sometimes between the intent and the actual action of doing it, but the gap is closing And entrepreneurship is starting to grow, and pride in who they are is starting to grow in Quebec. Listen, here's the the thing I want you to hear. Young Quebecers, they plan to change the world. They just do. They just believe. They're they're not afraid of ambition, and they figure they're going to change the world. And so one of the people that was interviewed in, in this book said, we're less and less afraid of ambition. We have our models to look up to. We have a business community that helps and supports each other. And we have entrepreneurs who invest in each other's businesses. And what new entrepreneurs want most, what would give them the most pride, is to conquer the world. Just a little thing. Just just a little goal. We're just going to conquer the world. Thank you very much. Now, this is a big change. This is a big change in Quebec culture, and it's happening the younger we get. And so, so I told you that I've had a focus group that's been helping me with this sermon series and helping me, because I'm from Ontario. What do I know? And so I've had this focus group of Quebecers, born and raised Quebecers, who've helped me just, I've been able to bounce ideas off them and talk it out with them. And so one of them, I, I was talking with them about this characteristic. And I said, you know, I was raised in my faith in Ontario, English-speaking Ontario. I was raised in my, in my Protestant, Christian, Pentecostal faith that, that I could change the world. And I said, it wasn't just that I could. It was assumed that I would. And that was true for all of us. So whenever youth got together in, in the churches or even outside of the church, we would get together and there was a big woo, right? And altar calls would happen. It didn't matter what. You could sum the whole thing up in your follower of Jesus, now go change the world. And there was this expectation that we would and that we certainly could. And when I said that to my friend, the one, one of the people who's a born and raised Quebecer and, um, and is a part of this focus group, when I said that to her, she physically stepped backwards, like just, and she said, I have no frame of reference for that. 
I was never taught that in my faith, being raised in Quebec. It never was taught to me that we could change the world or that we should even try. It was, it was a whole different thing. And I said, wow. So it's a shift. But the younger generation in Quebec, they understand changing the world. And they're excited to do it. And nobody's going to stop them. They just assume they're going to change the world. Now, of course, it's important to remember through our whole series that we've been doing, it's complicated. There's 8.3 million people living in this province, born in different decades, born to different ethnicities, some new to Canada, some having been born here, uh, different life experience, different family structure. Each of them is going to have uh, different traits and different characteristics, and each of those things contributes to who you are and how you think. So, so if you were to look at the generations in Quebec, you could look at the oldest generation, which is the builders, or the sometimes called the silent generation, and, and they used to be um, very, very contained within themselves, very, very insular. We're not going out into the world. And slowly over time, that generation has, has become urbanized and they've started to open up to the world and they've gone from being um, deeply intolerant to seeking consensus. Okay, so these are things we've talked about through the series. The, the next generation, the boomers, they grew up in the 60s. And they grew up between creativity and detachment, and they were planning to change the world, but then they got a little bit detached as well, and they're the ones that don't really want to take a position and don't really want to say anything, and they're kind of in sometimes a routine of, well, I, I metro, then I work, then I sleep, and then repeat. And, and then Generation X, which is my generation, we're the small generation, we have no influence on anyone. So, welcome to my world. But then millennials, the youngest generation of Quebecers, well, they just want to conquer the world. And, and they are continually just going for it. They are a generation of winners. They are ambitious. They're more ambitious, more entrepreneurial, more likely to be bilingual, more egalitarian, more environmentally responsible, uh, responsible and they don't care about the borders. Quebecers are happy to be different. Quebecers love who they are. And young Quebecers are planning to change the world. So, what if Jesus was a Quebecer? <laughs> what, would, what would he do with this? What, what would he, how would he look at this culture and where would he find common ground or how would he react to it? How would he respond to it? Well, here, here's what I think. I think, I think that Jesus would look at this whole thing and he would smile and he'd go, that's awesome. And he would honor Whatever is good in Quebec culture, he would honor just the, the pride in their own culture because, because, you know, it's people that he loves. And people everywhere, all over the world, those are people that Jesus loves. And all those people live in a specific culture, whether it's this one or another one, because faith happens within culture. It's integrated within culture. We don't just separate out and, and live entirely separate. It's, it's integrated. That's why it, church styles change. So you'll see different church styles in one time and different church styles in another place in the world. I, I believe that Jesus would happily honor what's good in, in the culture because that's what he did. And then, and then, he'd look around, and he would call us all to something higher, and something bigger, and something better, a kingdom of God culture. 
That, that's what he did. That's what he did when he was here on earth. And you, you can see it in Matthew chapter 5. There's this whole series of statements that Jesus makes that, that start off with, you have heard, but I say. And so he, he starts off with, you have heard, which is the culture that he was part of. This is what you understand. But I say, and just calling them to something higher. So I'm going to paraphrase, but this is the paraphrase of, of what it is that he said. So Jesus looks at the culture he's in. He calls them to something higher. He says, you have heard that you shouldn't murder anyone. I say, don't even be angry with them. See, calling them to something higher, better, bigger. You have heard that you shouldn't cheat on your spouse. I say, don't even look at someone with the idea of cheating. You have heard that if you're going to get divorced, we'll do the process properly and legally. I say, value your marriage and don't get divorced unless there's like a really, really big reason. You have heard, don't break your vows. I say, don't make vows, just keep your word all the time. (laughs) You have heard, Jesus said, don't take revenge beyond beyond what is deserved. You know, an eye for an eye, no more. A tooth for a tooth, that kind of a thing. And he said, but I say, be bigger, be better, aim higher, turn the other cheek, love your enemies. What? And then Jesus ends that, that whole um, dialogue that he's saying, and he, and he ends it with the whole thing, and he doesn't end it by saying, therefore, fit into your culture. He ends the whole thing by saying, therefore, be perfect. That's all. Just be perfect, like your heavenly Father is perfect. He acknowledges the culture, and he points out the good in it, And he he points out weaknesses in it sometimes. And then, and then, he calls his followers to something bigger and better and higher. He doesn't want us to stop at, at just understanding and connecting with the culture. He says, aim higher and do better. Why? Well, because just like Quebecers have a proud identity, we have a proud identity too. We're followers of Jesus. We are the church. Thank you very much. We are the church. That's who we are. And we have characteristics too as a culture. We have traits that make us unique. We have things as followers of Jesus, all of us together, that make us stand out and be a little bit different and a little bit weird. We have this crazy idea, for example, we think that you can have joy, deep down joy, even while you're suffering. It's crazy. But that's how we think. That's, that's kingdom mentality. That's we are the church mentality. We believe that God, the God of the universe, is actually at work within the world. What? Sometimes in big ways, sometimes in little ways. But, and we interpret a lot of life through that grid. That's our understanding of life. That's part of our culture. We are the church. We believe that we are messed up, broken people without the ability to save ourselves. And we celebrate that because we believe in a God who loves us. We believe in a God who loves us anyway and who gives grace to us anyway and who has mercy on us and calls us. And we believe in a God who heals us and who restores us and who gives us purpose and who uses us, calls us to be part of his plan, partners with us so that other people can meet Jesus. That's who we are. 
We, we are the only faith in the world that believes in a God who became human and died and rose from the dead within human history, not some mythology out there. We are the church. And every single one of us that's, that's here has either answered the question or is in the process of addressing it. The question that has been posed, do we think Jesus is a liar or a lunatic or who he said he was? Because those are the only three options. Do we think Jesus is a liar or a lunatic or do we think he's who he said he was? And, and Peter faced that same question, one of the disciples other followers of Jesus, they faced that question, except when they faced it, well, it was Jesus asking them. And so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, And others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you think I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, say it with me, I will build my church. I feel like you could say that with a little more power. Okay? You are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. When Jesus asked Peter, who do you think I am? Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus turned around to him and said, and you, you're the church. We are the church and proud of it. Turn the person beside you and just go, we are the church Try, now try it again, the other side. Put a smile on your face and go, we are the church. And we are proud of it. Proud, it's okay to be proud, to be the church, to be followers of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are treasured. We are called to something higher. And even when we're connecting and building bridges to the culture that we are in, we are part of God's plan. We are the church. We are the ones that God has called to carry Jesus to the world. And so we do good. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to what? Do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we love each other and we reveal Jesus to the world. Say it with me. We are the church and proud of it. We are the church. We are not a social club. We are not a singing group. We are not a building with a steeple or a room with stained glass windows. We have no doors and no wall. We have no limits. We are the body of Christ. We are every color, every race, every age and nationality. We are messengers. We are healers. 
We are fighters. We are brothers and sisters, parents and children. We are the instruments of God's eternal love in a hurting, hungry world. And we are all called for the same purpose, to glorify God and share His love with everyone. We are the church. Would you stand with me? Stand up. Stand, you can clap if you want. You can clap and stand at the same time. We're the church, you guys. It matters here. We're called here. We are who Jesus has called us to be. And we have a culture that meets other cultures. And we carry Jesus and bring Jesus to those cultures. And so let me, let me just say to you, next week, okay, this is not a repeat of an announcement. Next week, I told you everything that's happening with Fifth Sunday and the festival and the shoeboxes. And I already know, I know, I know that some of you have gone, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to come. I mean, it's great that that's all happening, but I got to come to church earlier because there's only one service and I might not get my seat. Somebody else might sit in my seat and they're not, you know, opening up the parking lot. I don't know. Is it worth it? Listen to me. We are the church. And next Sunday morning, do you know what? There are going to be people here who are being baptized in water, committing their lives to Christ. And we all need to be here to celebrate that. Next Sunday morning, we have families dedicating their children to God and committing that they're going to raise their children here as part of this church and and as followers of Jesus. Don't you think we should be here to celebrate that? We should be taking communion together and praying together and laughing together and worshiping together and all of those things. Listen, don't stay home. Just set your alarm a little bit earlier. Take the metro instead of driving. And if your seat is not available when you get here, you'll be okay. I promise you'll be okay. You know why? Because we're the church. And we're going to do good. And we're going to love each other and reveal Jesus because... It's what we do because we're the church. We're the church in Quebec and we're the church in Montreal. We're the church that Jesus has called to this time and this place. And you're part of it. So listen, here's what we're going to do. I I asked the worship team and they they put together, they kind of did a mashup of songs this morning. Really intentional to finish off this series with with just just excitement and power. And so so they're going to, the first part is going to be, I have decided to follow Jesus, but they change it to we because we are the church. We have decided to follow Jesus. Just going to be a repeat of us repeating that our commitment to Jesus. And then it's going to turn our eyes towards Christ himself to God and say, your name, your Your name is victory and all praise will rise to Christ our King. And then, and then we're going to finish off with everything and nothing less. This church is yours. Can we sing that this morning? Say with me. We are the church. Lead us in worship. Let's sing. We have decided. We have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. We have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Put your hands. We have decided. 
privacy. Every Sunday, I know that there are people in this church, and I'm thrilled for it, people who have not yet 
decided to follow Jesus or aren't sure and they're still figuring it out. And I just want to give you an opportunity this morning, if that's you, and you're at the moment of going, I still don't quite understand it all, but I'm in. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I would like the opportunity to just just pray for you from up here. I'm not going to pull you out of the crowd or anything, but I'm just going to ask everyone's heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm the one that's looking around. If you're one of those people that's going, "Uh, today's the day that I'm deciding, would you just raise your hand nice and high so that I can see it this morning and I can just pray for you. Just looking across the main floor right now. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Thank you in the back there. Thank you also in the back. Looking up in the balcony. Anybody up there, you go, today's the day. Nobody's looking around, just me. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. God, for each person that has just raised their hand, we thank you for them. I pray your blessing on them. And I'm going to invite all of us to just whisper a prayer right now, all of us. Let's do it right out loud and join together with those who have just raised their hands this morning. Just repeat after me, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for calling me. I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me clean and new. And show me what it is to be a follower of Jesus. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I pray over every single one here, and I say thank you at this moment, and we celebrate because there are people that have made decisions today, today, and that is awesome. I pray especially for your strength and blessing and help to fall on them and that you would show them what it means to be followers of Jesus. And for the rest of us, God, as we close this service and as we were deployed to walk out the doors and to carry Jesus out there, I pray that you would help us to do good, help us to love each other, and help us to reveal Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. Cover, protect, heal, help. Bring us back safely next Sunday. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. Listen, if you're one of the people that raised a hand this morning and you'd like one of our ministry team to pray for you, just come to the front. There'll be a couple people here and they'd be happy to pray with you and just hear your story. All the rest of you, turn to the person beside you and say, we are the church, okay? And smile at somebody. Go downstairs, have a coffee. And don't forget, next week, 10.30. See you there.